Thank you for joining me today. It is Michael Hunter. I am back after about, what, two months, I guess. Took a little hiatus, took a little break, a little bit burnt out. Uh, started up a new a new job site. So as you guys know, that sucks up quite a bit of my time with the day job. But uh, I, I thought that I wanted to kick off coming back in a big way. And sitting around one night, had a couple drinks, and I thought, who would I... Who is the guy that I would most like to talk to? The guy that I follow on Twitter, the guy that has a lot of insight, the guy that knows college basketball inside and out. And for me, for for my money, it's Jeff Goodman. And after hearing um, how easy it was for, for Tony Patels to sit down and talk to Jeff last year after he joined Stadium, I thought that there was a chance that he might actually say yes. So I shot him a DM on Twitter and he's like, yeah, cool. Whatever you need, you know, here's my cell phone. I mean, the guy doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. He gave me his cell phone after I just said, Hey, you want to be on my podcast? And he was gracious enough to, uh, to join. And we, we kind of pushed it for a week so we could get past the, uh, the draft deadline. And you know, just sat down with him, just wrapped up a little while ago and had a great conversation, really easy to talk to, got some information off of him. Um, and again, just, it's good to be back. It's good for that to be the first episode. I've actually got another one in the can that I'll be releasing later this week as well with SEC, uh, well, not author, but, uh, opinion maker, Blake Lavelle. So, you know, two good shows coming this week. I wanted to kick it off with Goodman, but Blake was awesome as well. So I will not waste any more of your guys' time. It, uh, I was a little bit nervous at the very beginning, but uh, again, Jeff Jeff made it easy, and hopefully I can have him on again someday, and hopefully he had a good time, and uh, it was a really good time. So here it is, Jeff Goodman. Farrell turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock, doesn't get it, five seconds to play, down the floor, a Kogi, he beat the buzzer! Jeff Goodman, how's it going, man? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm well, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, no. top on me today. All good, man. All good. I, I guess uh, to to kick it all off, you know, we we kind of pushed this week so we'd have something to talk about. Um, big big time players are returning, especially the ACC. Uh, other than Cassius Winston or Jordan War, who do you, in your opinion, think was was the biggest name to return that will have the largest impact on the season next year? I mean, listen, I, I would say it's pretty easy. It's three point guards. And, uh, you know, uh, Devon Dotson of Kansas, Trey Jones of Duke, Ashton Hagens of K- Kentucky. All three of them could have went. I mean, I thought Trey Jones probably uh, had the best shot to go. But uh, I think he made the right decision. Come back, working your shot all off season once you get healthy. Uh, Hagen's kind of the same deal, right? I mean, they're mm-hmm. similar players in terms of weaknesses. Hagen's just got to be able to shoot it too. And, I think Dotson has a chance to be one of the best point guards in the country uh, next year, and uh, he'll have his big guy back in Doak. So I, I think all three made the right decisions. Yeah, I think uh, it, it was interesting that uh, yesterday I sent you over the topics list about 45 seconds before you released your new top 25, and I had I have Kansas at 20. I released mine last week, and you have them at two. Um, <laughs> I, I took a little heat from, from some of my independent buddies there, but, uh, you know, I, when I look at this team, I kind of see like the, the Sharon Collins, Cole Aldrich team, um, you know, the, the good, big, the good point guard, and then some question marks. What's, uh, what makes you so high on the Jayhawks? 
Uh, well, first of all, we'll, we'll go back to your, you know, trying to figure out preseason top 25. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think we I think we could say we were all wrong about West Virginia a year ago. I don't know where you had them, but I think <laughs> everybody and their mother had them in the top 25 somewhere. They were a train wreck. UCLA was a train wreck. And on the flip side, we we're all wrong about what? Texas Tech? Mm-hmm. Nobody had them there. No. And Houston, right? Everybody thought Houston was was going to kind of fall off the, the face of the earth without Rob Gray. So I, I think... You know, you, you, and that's kind of what I tweeted this morning was like, hey, you, you, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Right. I mean, listen, we know Kansas is going to be somewhere in the top 25 because they always are. We mm-hmm. know Duke and Kentucky, Louisville, all those teams are going to be somewhere. But there's going to be a few outliers that um, we just didn't predict that will be there. And then there's going to be a few teams in there that, that are going to be nowhere to be found. But I, I like Kansas. Here, here's what I generally go by. For me, you better have a good point guard. Kansas checks that box. Uh, for me, if you're a Bill Self team, you better have bigs. Mm-hmm. Doke, if he's healthy, was a monster yeah. early last season. An absolute beast. And, you know, I, I think, again, if he stays healthy, there's a caveat there. Uh, Egbaji was terrific early once he was taken out of his red shirt. And now you're not going to need him to do quite as much if Doke is healthy. Um, D'Souza, I don't know how much he's going to give you, but I think... At worst case scenario, he's an energy foreman. Right. Can we agree on that? Like, like he he, he can be a guy that can get up and down the floor. He can rebound. Right. Yeah. Uh, he can finish. You don't have to run a whole hell of a lot for him. Now, the question is, can he play well with Doak in terms of can he make good decisions maybe at the high post? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that. And and then you, you've got, listen, you've got some pieces. Marcus Garrett's a piece. Right. McCormick's a piece. Lightfoot's a piece. They're great if they're your six, seven, eight. And I understand right now they're your probably five, six, seven, and D'Souza's your your, your four. Um, so you know, I would expect them. If I'm them, I'm I'm making a hard run at, at Anthony Mathis, and I don't know if you can get him, but like their biggest weakness for Kansas is mm-hmm. perimeter shooting. Mathis shoots the hell out of the ball. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know if they, they can get him because I think Oregon's going to be yeah. tough to beat due to his relationship with Peyton Pritchard. But if they can somehow pull a shooter late, I, I think that's the only thing holding them back. And I just I feel like, again, then you throw Bill Self into the equation, one of the better coaches. So coach, point guard, big guy. Mm-hmm. That that in a, in a wing in Ibaji who I think has a lot of potential. So you actually you actually mentioned uh, you know bringing somebody else in. I actually threw a couple names out at you before. One of them, Highland, just committed to VCU a little while ago. The other is uh, Jalen Wilson, who I believe is actually about forty five miles up the road from me right now in Chapel Hill. Um, is that somebody that could give Kansas a, a piece that can impact the game right away? Yeah, I mean a piece again. Somebody's going to have to impact the game right away. Mm-hmm. You know, because their 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 class was certainly hurt. I mean, this is the worst class Bill Self's ever had at Kansas. Mm-hmm. So it was hurt by all the FBI stuff, by the negative recruiting, kind of in a way that Arizona was hurt a year ago or <laughs> maybe a year and a half ago, right? right. I mean, uh, they, they've somehow rebounded. LSU somehow got uh, trend in Watford. I still don't. That, that, that should be a podcast for another day yeah. uh, of how they were able to land a top 25 player right now. But, you know, Kansas certainly got hit the hardest of any program this year in, in recruiting. And the question is, can, again, as we saw Anthony Mathis, that happened this late. Is there somebody else that could pop late that Kansas might be able to add in that just gives them 
All they need, honestly, is a floor spacer. Mm-hmm. That's all they need on this team. Yep, I, I completely agree. Somebody to stretch it out a little bit, give Doak, you know, room yep. to operate in the bucket. Um, I wasn't going to talk about LSU, but uh, quick commentary. How does, I mean, how did we get to this point where Will Wade is still coaching and those freshmen are coming back to school? I mean, are they just saying, screw it, we're going to do whatever we can get away with for now and they can hammer us later? Or, or I, I just don't know how we arrived at this situation where, these guys are coming back to school. We thought they were all leaving to avoid any, any, you know, I guess any kind of punishment from the NCAA. And then Will Wade comes back, and these kids come back. What's going well, on? I think in when the school, yeah, I think when the school reinstated Will Wade, that said to the kids, "Okay, he's going to be our coach. He's my guy. So we're going to come back." And really, none of them had anywhere to go. I mean, where they were all kind of overseas players or G League players mm-hmm. at this point. So. You know, I, I think ultimately it was the school that made the decision for these kids because if Will Wade hadn't been reinstated and Tony Bedford hadn't been retained and you had a new coach, you were going to lose all of those guys. So you wonder how much that played a part. Listen, the bottom line was the conversation was never played. If I think if that conversation had made its way and we had all heard his words mm-hmm. in the context, I think then – he very well could have been fired. I think a school president at that point, if they hear the conversation, and, and again, we don't know the context, um, I think then a decision is made. But I was surprised. I mean, I won't lie to you. I was shocked that, that he got reinstated by LSU. With The the difference being Yahoo's report mm-hmm. was detailed. It was a transcript of the actual conversation. ESPN's report a year and a half ago really had no details. Zero. Right, right. Which has kind of made Slaybaugh kind of a, not a martyr, but yeah, kind of tarnished his reputation a little bit. Um, does this give the NCAA kind of an out to not punish these money making programs? No, I, I think all of them, and I've said this for, for a year now, I think all these coaches are going to get suspensions, mm-hmm. all these head coaches for the most part. Be, you know, whether it's, you know, failure, to, whatever the term is, failure to monitor your program or, control or whatever it is you know i I think they're gonna have to hit them but i think you're gonna see like for instance i think you're gonna see new associate arizona associate head coach jack murphy who just took over Mm -hmm. you know just took the job uh yesterday i think you'll see him coaching arizona between seven and 15 games not this season but a year from now i think you'll see uh somebody coaching uh lsu um, for seven to 15 games. It may be as much as a year. I don't know what the NCAA does. Nobody does. Right. Uh, I think, Andy, you know, same thing with USC. Maybe the same thing with Bruce Pearl. Uh, who are we forgetting here? Uh, uh, Andy Enfield? Kansas. And Kansas. Yeah. You know, potentially. Because, again, I mean, Sylvia D'Souza, whether you want to say it or not, his guardian did get paid. Right. Did Kansas know? Well, there's no proof of that. If they can prove this proof, then you're gone. Then you're fired. Then the NCAA will hit him with a show cause, and you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they can't prove that these head coaches knew, which I think they're going to have a hard time doing because I just don't think they're equipped uh, to be able to do so. I, I just don't think they have the the manpower and the appropriate manpower, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the well-trained manpower to be able to prove. Uh, you got to get some former FBI guys in. I've been saying it for a decade. If you're the NCAA, go, go hire some former FBI guys. Spend some money, go pay him 250, 300 grand a year, 
and go get some guys that can. No, actually they don't have that do... money, Jeff. Yeah, no, they don't have that money at all. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Um, going back to the kind of the transfer market, I wanted to touch base about Kerry Blackshear Jr., who could most likely have the biggest impact of any transfer this year. Um, if he decides to go to Kentucky, is Kentucky the number one team in the country? If he decides to go to Florida, are they the new favorite in SEC? Or is there another team out there that may be uh, sneaking and snatch up his services? You know, remember last year I did this with when Reed Travis committed to Kentucky, mm-hmm. I named him number one, and uh, it backfired. I mean, they weren't the number one team. Um, they never really played like it from day one till mm-hmm. the final day. So I will say no. Even if they get carried last year, I do not believe they're the number one team. I think they're in the equation. But I wouldn't put them at one. I'd still probably put Michigan State because they got that se- they got that senior point guard mm-hmm. and they got an elite elite head coach in terms of I, I think Tom Izzo is just a better coach than than John Calipari. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, the other schools that I think are in the mix for Blackshear and it's been very very secretive mm-hmm. the whole Blackshear. He changed his mind like five or six times in the last two days before he he decided to keep his. Uh, to, to keep himself uh, eligible for uh, NCAA and, and transfer. I mean, he went back and forth literally five or six times. So, Blackshear, the schools I'm hearing, Texas A&M, Buzz Williams, his former coach sure. of Virginia Tech, certainly trying. Uh, but a lot of people are saying to him, hey, listen, uh, Buzz Williams, what he did in, in, in his time coaching you didn't get you to where you were a first-round pick. Right. So, why are you going to go play for him now? That. That's what a lot of the coaches that are recruiting against uh, Texas A&M for Kerry Blackshear are trying to tell them right now. And then you've got, uh, again, Florida's in the mix. Kentucky's in the mix. I've heard Tennessee is a school that's trying to get in there desperately. And if they can, listen, that's one that would be interesting. With their returning guards, Mm -hmm. they got some good ones. And then you throw Kerry Blackshear into the equation up front. Tennessee, they're they're not in my preseason top 25, but I – went back and forth whether to put them in or not. Yeah, I had them at like 23, something like that. They'd be like, I'd probably go from not in to like 15 Yeah, if they got carried last year. Yeah, I, I really like those those guards in Turner and Bowden. I, I think yep. that uh, Rick Barnes really showed something. You know, As soon as he left Texas, he kind of went back to his – not that he did a bad job at Texas, obviously, but he kind of – like it rejuvenated him a little bit. Yes. It, was, it was really strange. Um, it, staying in the ACC, I guess – we have a situation right now where, you know, that's who I cover predominantly. Yeah. We're kind of losing or lost support among fan bases for Boston College, Georgia Tech, Clemson fans are kind of oh, always on love, the fence. You, you're hammering, you're hammering my Boston College Eagles here. Oh man, I, Jeez. you know, I, I've actually defended Christian a lot over the last probably twelve months. I, I don't know where they go from that. I think Christian's a good coach. He certainly develops his guards really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know if they if they can lure somebody better, so I never really thought that they should have fired him anyway. But um, Clemson, Wake Forest, obviously, who, by the way, is that number correct? That is that $18 million? Is that what you've heard? Yeah, oh, yeah, no, that that's 100% correct, and that's oh. the biggest reason why they didn't make a move. Yeah, sure, it makes him, makes him Teflon. And then you also have Duke, Florida State, UNC, Syracuse with coaches that are getting up there and you know a little long in the tooth. What do you think this this conference looks like in two, three, four years? I don't know. I mean, like your guess is as good as mine on that one. <laughs> Again, I mean, you look around and you're like, all right, Laranaga, Bayheim, yeah. Roy K, Leonard Hamilton are all in their sixty, like mid 
right? Mid-60s isn't, to late. Isn't Hamilton 70s. 70? Yeah, Hamilton, I think, is 70. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some are 70. <clears throat> K, K. Bayheim and Leonard. Is Leonard 70? I believe so. I can't remember, but he's the youngest-looking old dude. Yeah, absolutely. He looks like he lives in right? the gym. Like, it, it, it's absolutely insane. The best <laughs> part is when he goes to um, AU uh, tournaments in his jean shorts. He is 70. <laughs> he is 70. It's in, does, he wear, so, does he wear the high crew socks with him, too? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I just can't get my eyes off the jean shorts. So I, I can't go anywhere else. But, yeah, Larenega, Beheim, K, Leonard, Leonard at 70. Roy getting up there. Um, you know, you, you Tony Bennett, like, will he be there in five years or will some NBA team go after him? Right. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the right NBA job comes along um, now that he's got a national title. I think he could absolutely, uh, you know, leave. Chris Mack, Kevin Keats, Jeff Capel, like, you know, they're guys that you would expect to probably be in their spots in, in five years. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. But, again, yeah, Jim Christian, Danny Manning, Brad Brunel, Josh Pastner, I don't see any of them still in the league in five years. No. I'm shocked. And, again, I'm a, I'm a GTEC guy, and since we mentioned Pastner, I'll jump right into it right now. Obviously, he's struggling incredibly hard to recruit the city of Atlanta, and he's having a very hard time keeping any of that talent home with, you know, you got Auburn, who is a fixture. Tom Crean is obviously recruiting the area very well. Florida, UNC. Is is Josh, Is that just a bad fit in that city for Josh, or is there <laughs> some kind of underlying issue, or, or do you have any idea what's going on there? I mean, it was just a weird hire, right? I mean, yes. like, I remember that night when it broke. You know, I got I got word of it, and uh, and I'm working the phones. And at first, you know, usually when you hear something that's kind of out there, the first time you hear it, you're like, ah, whatever. <laughs> then I heard it like another time and a third time, and I'm like, oh my god, Josh Pastor to Georgia Tech, like he's going to get fired at Memphis. Yeah, like what is Mike Babinski doing? And and I love Josh. I mean, I've known Josh since he was an undergrad at Arizona, mm-hmm. so I, I love Josh. But yeah, I, I I never thought it was like. I thought it was a good fit in a way because I actually think Josh recruiting academic kids, I always felt like Josh's first job should have been Rice University. Okay. You know what I mean? Like that that should have been his first job, not Memphis. Memphis was a terrible job for him. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I just don't, again, I don't, I don't see Josh getting it done long term, but I hope I'm wrong because, again, I really like Josh. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, as a GTEC fan and probably the program that I'm plugged in the most with, we were ex- excited because of Mike Babinski's um, history of of, yeah. of, have, of hiring great coaches. And, you know, we thought we learned the lesson with, with hiring a guy that was going to be fired when we, when we pulled Brian Gregory from Dayton. Yep. And yep. they did the same thing. And then it just, it's been tremendously underwhelming. And, I mean, talking to some guys that are very – optimistic as far as you know pat he's going to get it done he's a great representative of the program even those guys are starting to come to me now and saying you know i'm, I'm kind of off this train um depending on what we do this year because it, it looks like an nit team possibly a little bubbly but um what i have a theory is one of the guys on my short list that i'd like to see at least be interviewed for the job i guess is earl grant at college of charleston yeah and in your opinion, in that city, in Atlanta, would it give an African-American coach a leg up in that city? Dealing yeah. with those I mean, look, AAUs? Look at, what, look at what Paul Hewitt did. Get yeah. players. Yeah. Like, you can say what you want about Paul Hewitt, okay? Mm-hmm. But 
who had more success? Josh Pastner, Brian Gregory, Paul Hewitt, who was before Paul? I'm trying to think who was before Paul. Yeah, I mean, Kremens at the end wasn't great. But no, but Kremens is also great. pulling a lot of his talent from New York. Right, exactly. I mean, like like Paul, you again, you can say what you want. He got, he got to the national title game in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, he was bringing in McDonald's All-Americans. At the end, yeah, I mean, certainly they weren't very good the last you know couple of years. Uh, but for a stretch there, they were relevant. Mm-hmm. They were relevant, you know, a bunch of years. And again... Derek Favors, Thaddeus Young, Javaris Crittenden, Jared Jack. I mean, there was a lot of talent coming through there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do think um, certain areas probably uh, lend themselves more to blackhead coaches being successful. Uh, I think Atlanta certainly is one of those. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I actually kind of, I was listening to your interview with uh, with Ed Cooley the other day, and I, I heard you bring that up, so that's kind of why I wanted to get in there. I think Atlanta yeah. is, I mean, the ideal spot for an African-American head coach to go in there and have success yeah. at, at hotbeds like Wheeler and Miller Grove and Pace and all these yes. places. I mean, you know, GTEC hasn't pulled a guy out of Wheeler in I don't know how long. It's absolutely insane. Amazing, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, GTEC fans in particular, I, I, I have, I, I think it's a bad look if they were to get rid of Pastner after three years, considering the state of the program when he arrived. But you look what Tom Crean's doing thirty miles down the road, or however far it is. Well, but what did he? Okay, Tom Crean got one player that changed the whole perception. Mm-hmm. He got one player. Yeah, but. Still, the Walton kid is a kid that GTEC would love to have. The Wheeler kid is a, is a player that GTEC would love to have. Um, even Rodney Miller, who just committed last week, is a player that GTEC really, really wanted. And Josh just can't seem to, to win those in-state battles, I think, is what their their biggest gripe is at this point. Yeah, and, and again, I think part of that is a, a lack of success after a couple years here. Where, you know, Crean, it's still the novelty a little sure. bit. Um you know, beyond that, I, I don't know what else it is. I mean, again, I think when you get a guy like Anthony Edwards, that also, that's a big thing. I mean, Memphis getting James Wiseman, right? You get a guy of that magnitude, mm-hmm. and it helps with the perception of it's cool to go there again. I'm going to go there. Well, James Wiseman went to Memphis, so yeah, I, of course I'm going to go there now. Same thing with Anthony Edwards. Like, Anthony Edwards can't do it alone. There's no way. I mean, he's sure. talented. Um but we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, again, it's not like Georgia was any good last year. That's true, too. <laughs> uh, stay, stay in the ACC. I have Louisville at two. I think you have them at four, three or four, something like that. Um, I, I, even with the, the roster that they have, that Duke game last year seemed to kind of break them. I mean, all the way yeah. up until the first round of the tournament. Sure they just does. seemed broken. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was even a little hesitant to put them at two in the preseason just because of how they performed after that game. Do you think that all that is is gone now? They're going to be refreshed and they can live up to a ranking in the top five? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a different team. And and again, that game did completely crush them mentally. Uh, But yeah, I I mean, listen, you return, other than Kristen Cunningham, it's pretty much the same team and you bring in a bunch of talented kids. This Mm -hmm. kid, Samuel Williamson, Mm -hmm is terrific. Love them. Absolutely love them. I mean, four guys in the top 100. You know, talking about a team that's done well recruiting with a cloud hanging over them. Um, that's really what Chris Mack and his staff have done since getting the job about a year ago, a little more than a year ago. But Jordan Moore was, was huge. 
I think Dwayne Sutton's a good piece. Um, Enoch was was big coming back, and, and really the biggest thing might have been uh, you know Fresh Kimball, the grad transfer from Temple, coming in and he'll play the point. Mm-hmm. And if he can do what Cunningham did, and they're very different point guards and how they run the team, but if he can give him a veteran presence who could score, he's a better scorer than Cunningham, but not as good of a you know a setup guy. Right. Um, he's the key for them. So yeah, I, I got Louisville. Listen, Louisville, Duke, Carolina. I guess you could probably throw them in a hat a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think Carolina is probably a bit behind both of them, only because you're talking about a Carolina team that's potentially going to start two grad transfers, which right. is, I never thought in a million years yeah. I'd see that. Yeah. But there's a chance. I mean, I, I think they probably start one, but there's a chance by like middle of the year or by the end of the year when it matters that they're starting Justin Pierce and Christian Killick. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely incredible. Roy just seems to somehow make it work each offseason. Yeah. It's just really impressive. I actually picked them to, to win the ACC last year and kind of got you know laughed out yep. of the building. And they yep. tied for it, so I'm going to claim it. But um, no, you you deserve to claim it because nobody <laughs> thought it would. Nobody thought that would happen. Nobody. I th- the other thing is, I think this year with Luke May gone and Baycott coming in, Roy's going to be able to. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. He's going to kind of be able to go back to the system that he would rather yeah. run with with two bigs and no doubt. And and that may be beneficial because that's where he's obviously won championships. So I like Carolina again this year. And now they've got the experience. I think Brandon Robinson's a sleeper. Um, yeah, I, I like the Tar Heels in the top. I think I had him at six or seven, but yeah, like you said, out of a hat. Nope. Yeah, I, I got him right there. The, the one team that I got lower than everybody, mm-hmm. and, and maybe it's stupid, but I just don't know how Virginia, I don't know how Tony Bennett does it again. I just, most people I'm looking and they got him like six, seven, eight, nine, whatever it is. I got him at 15 and I wanted to put him higher. Trust me, I yeah. wanted to, but then I'm looking at the roster and I'm like, how? Like, how can I? Like, the Akita is a good piece. Yeah. Can he be a star? Like, Braxton Key is a nice piece. Jay Hoff, Kihei Clark. Like, they lost I mean, They lost 76% again, of their three-pointers in those But three it's guys. Tony Bennett. Yeah. But you know what? Tony Bennett will probably prove both of us wrong, period. Yeah, I don't, I don't even have him in my top 25. I don't have them, and I don't have Purdue, and a lot of people have both. I just – I think per- we're – I think – I don't have Purdue either, and I think we're both going to be wrong. Like, I, that's one that I think they have enough talent. Mm-hmm. And Painter is such a good coach that I think I, I regretted that one the moment I hit publish mm-hmm. on my top twenty-five. Like I didn't regret it when people came after me about like LSU or Auburn, but like somebody hit me on Purdue, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna be wrong here. I know I am. <laughs> I uh, I took a big step, and I actually put Notre Dame in mind. I love Notre I Dame. I did it last year. I did that last year, and I, I then I said to myself, I can't. I made the mistake again. Alabama, I did last year and screwed it up. But my take is Nate Oates is a way better coach than Avery Johnson. So I'm okay with that this year. I I think if everybody comes back healthy for Notre Dame, I mean, you can't argue with the talent on that roster. Uh, I just, I I think Dane Goodwin could potentially bust out. I just, I like that team a lot. If they could, they they can get the open looks. They just need to make them. Yes. Yes. No doubt. So teams that could be the best team in the country or possibly underachieve Memphis with all these freshmen. Um, obviously Penny Hardaway has gone above and beyond what anybody thought. I think as far as being able to recruit, not only Memphis the way he has, but now he's recruiting nationally. Um, is this, is this the best collection of talent in a freshman class that you've ever seen? No, 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 no. no. Listen, last year's collection was better in Durham. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
it, I mean, it's it's really good. Don't get me wrong, but like Zion or James Wiseman. Sure. Now, now again, we thought it was R.J. Barrett and James Wiseman at the time. We didn't we didn't no. think Zion was going to be Zion at that <laughs> point. But but I would have taken R.J. Barrett over James Wiseman even. Um, you know, I, I just no, I, I wouldn't put them at that level. But man. That's not to discount what Penny has done in putting this class together. It's absolutely amazing. And um, again, once you get momentum, and Penny was fortunate, and the difference, as you know, with Penny and other NBA guys was he had a chance to coach James Wiseman. And you know, if he couldn't get the momentum, if he didn't get James Wiseman, think about this: like Penny could have been like fired in four or five years. This thing could have went completely south if he didn't get James Wiseman because if he doesn't get Wiseman he probably doesn't get Precious he doesn't get Boogie Ellis he, you know he might get DJ Jeffries yeah. right yep. but he doesn't get a lot of these guys if he doesn't get momentum with Wiseman and this thing could have gone the other way so it's like one guy can define your program and in this case it was Penny Hardaway's relationship um, and, and, and coaching James Wiseman and, and having that relationship do you think that him bringing in all these guys is gonna could it possibly lead to kind of an exodus with guys like Alex Lomax and Tyler Harris. I know they played for him when they were preps as well, but I mean they're gonna have you know serious hits to their playing time at some point. Yeah, no doubt. I mean Tyler Harris isn't gonna get the the freedom uh, to shoot like he did. Uh, Lomax, I think, is a piece, but yeah, I mean, listen, there'll there'll be defections because you can't keep everybody happy as we know. But you know, usually the cream rises to the top. The guys sure. that aren't that good don't play and, and, and we'll go elsewhere and, and get another opportunity. I mean, listen, there's, there's uh, 800 transfers right now. Uh, it is not an epidemic, just so you know, mm-hmm. in case, in case you wanted to read Seth Greenberg or somebody else, try to say it's an epidemic. No. It is not because out of those 800, what people keep failing to realize is almost 200 of those 800 are grad transfers. So the grad transfer rule went in like five years ago. And to be honest, the regular transfers, that number hasn't really changed in the last four or five years. It's just adding grad transfers has put in another 175 players to the mix. How do you feel about, um, what was it I saw come across a couple weeks ago, that when grad transfers transfer in now, they're going to have to, they're going to make it, so they're try to make it so they occupy the scholarship for two years instead of just one? Have it you, got voted down. It did get so voted it down? Pass. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was. I think it was Cal Perry's idea, uh, and I kind of like it. Um, in a sense that, that again, right now it's like, all right, I'll take it. If I have an open scholarship right now, mm-hmm. right, there's nobody else out there. I got an open scholarship and somebody pops. You're like, well, yeah, let's just fill it. Who cares? Right. Let me just fill it. Even if he's a practice guy, yep. I don't give a shit. I'm, I'm going to take him. All I'm, I'm not devoting anything to him beyond this year anyway, and I've got an open scholarship. So I might as well roll the dice. Sure. Um, I mean, listen, there's a kid from Alabama A&M forget his name now johnson johnson i want to say or something like that from alabama and i'm gonna try to find it while we're on right now he averaged four points four rebounds at alabama a&m and he just transferred to virginia tech (laughs) like think about that four points four rebounds yes i know it's brendan johnson i believe his name is is it brandon johnson brendan johnson uh, He's a six foot eight kid, up. anyway. He's yeah, I know Brandon Johnson. Yep. Brandon Johnson, right? Listen, all the power to that dude. Like, 
good for you, man. You just went to the ACC mm-hmm. after averaging four points and four rebounds in the SWAC. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, that's insane. That's oh, where that's we've great. come with yeah. grad transfers. Um, <laughs> I agree. Well, I, I actually, uh, a couple years ago, this actually just reminded me, uh, yeah. G-Tech brought in a kid from Central Michigan, I believe. Um, name was Kellen McCormick, I think. Oh, you, uh, no, Tim's kid. Tim's yeah. kid. And, yeah, no, I know. And, uh, face, up, face up format. Yeah, and, and, and you know, oh, he's a practice player. He'll never play. And I think it was it was in the out-of-conference season. He was, like, eighth or ninth game of the year. He hit, I think, three second-half threes, something like that, and single-handedly basically carried Georgia Tech to victory it there. It was just – it was one of the most stunning things i ever seen. I think you saw he, – he scored 11 points that game, something like that. We never saw him again the rest of the season. Really? <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's um, pretty funny. One last thing, I guess, that I wanted to talk about was um, the R.J. Hampton situation, which yeah. I don't have a problem with. I don't think that is going to become a big issue either. What I think uh, <laughs> caught my attention was I was actually doing a podcast last weekend, and somebody told me that they think that LaMelo Ball might actually go with him to New Zealand. Yeah. Is that yeah. something that you've heard? I have. I, I, don't, I have no idea. You know, My, my interactions with that family are uh, – complete zero for the last year and my life is so much simpler like the good thing is now i don't get asked about the family very much you know when i came back from lithuania it was like everywhere i walked you know they'd ask me about the family i got it a couple times when i was in minneapolis at a bar uh a kid who was kind of shit-faced asked me about a college kid and I answered him honestly, and I said, "Like, just don't tweet that, man. Like, just don't tweet my response." <laughs> I'd had a, I'd, I'd had a few too. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I listen. All the power. I, I hope the kid is successful, Lamelo. I hope he grows up. I hope he matures. I hope he doesn't take forty footers, and his daddy doesn't tell him after he, he airballs, you know, three straight to keep shooting it from forty feet. <laughs> you know, I, I really do hope he, he understands how to play the game. Uh, like his older brother, who right. is special. Like I, you, you won't find a bigger fan than me of Lonzo Ball. Right. I, I just think he plays the game the right way. I think he handles himself the right way. I mean, imagine, like, think about that kid at whatever he was, 19, 20 years old, and everything he had to deal with, with his dad, and keeping the peace between his dad and Steve Alford and then Luke Walton. And he has done it like with with amazing maturity Mm -hmm. so if if lamello can just watch his older brother and learn from lonzo he will be just fine but um as of when i last left him um he had a lot of growing up to do now 16 he was 16 so it made sense now i I still see him on all these recruiting rankings lists there's no possible way he plays college basketball right i mean he can't all right so i will tell you my thoughts when i when I left Lithuania, here was the deal. I actually thought he could at that point. Now, I don't know what's transpired since, but here's the thing. When when he went over there, okay, LeVar set up that other league mm-hmm. for them to play in against kind of, you know, younger, not so good competition so that, you know, LaMelo and Leandro could play 35 minutes. Sure. LeVar can basically coach them, blah, 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 blah. Well, the, LeVar paid for that. So – I actually think LeVar was the one paying the Lithuanian team, and it wasn't the Lithuanian team that was paying LeVar. So at that point, I actually think 
that the kid was eligible. But what happened after that? I think he went overseas, like he went on some like barnstorming deal or to different countries, and I think they did make money off that. And then the other part of it was they were asking for money everywhere they went when he was with Spires Institute or whatever that was, right. like like Allen, that guy Allen, mm-hmm. who was who was you know trying to screw Lavar and the family out of money supposedly allegedly <laughs> um, he was asking all the event planners and promoters for everything that they were going to be in uh, for money for pop-up shops for all this crap so like it was just it, it's a circus I mean everywhere they go it's a circus and, and that's why like I said I just I would love to see LaMelo get with somebody that can coach him that could make hold them accountable. Like I would love to see him play college basketball and play for like a, a you know a coach that that again would would treat him like any other and you know like a Tom Izzo type right sure. or, or Tony Bennett whatever doesn't even have to be a guy who's going to mf him but like somebody that's going to hold him accountable and and get him away from his dad and just make him grow up. Wouldn't wouldn't it be great to see him go to West Virginia and you have Bob Huggins on oh. one side and Levar Ball on the other? <laughs> Imagine Hugs dealing with a barball. <laughs> like, like that would be one that would just would not work. Oh, that would be fan. It'd be must see TV though every yes, every week, would. twice a week. Yeah. Jeff, I, I I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to hit on while I got you here? Uh, I'm trying to think. What else? What else we got here? Uh, hmm. no, just just excited to get out. On the recruiting trail, I'm going to Charlottesville next week for NBA Players Camp. Nice. So that'll be good to see some of these young guys. And how about the NCAA and, and good old Condoleezza Rice? So the, the coaches, <laughs> I believe, I'm not 100%, but I, I'm pretty sure on this one. So the coaches are allowed to go out next week mm-hmm. from Thursday at 2 o'clock till Friday at 2 o'clock. I, I believe they have a 24-hour window that they're allowed to go to Charlottesville and watch these kids play. Uh, I'm going to be there Wednesday night, so I'll see them all day Thursday and Friday. But um, they, they just don't get it, man. This recruiting calendar no. is a complete mess, and we're, we're going to see that this you know, uh, June and, and July. And the coaches have to go out. I mean, the worst part is the one, the one time a year that the coaches could kind of relax a little bit was June mm-hmm. because nothing was really going on. All the transfers were done at that point. Uh, and now – uh, the coaches have to go out in June multiple times, NBA camp, and then there's a couple high school uh, weekends as well that they're going to go out. So now they have you know, April, if they're in the, the NCAA tournament or the Final Four, like Chris Beard is a great example. Final Four, he gets out of the Final Four, he loses all his dudes, he's got to re- re- reload and do transfers and go fifth-year transfers, and he's on that the whole time. He's hiring staff, too. Because he may have lost, you know, may lose Mark Adams, so he's worried about that. And lost Glenn Cyprian, so he's going to try to find somebody to fill that. And then, okay, now I can relax in June. No, I can't relax in June. I got to go out and recruit because they changed the calendar to whereas now I'm going to be able to go out NBA camp, and then at the end of the month I'm going to go out to uh, two other weekends. And then, oh by the way, in July uh, I'm still going out as many days I think as they they, they were able to go out like a year ago. I'm going to go to the Peach Jam, and then the second weekend, that's like the second week of, mm-hmm. of July, and then the last week of July, they're able to go for a couple days, well, I think like five days between these regional camps, 
and then USA Basketball, like a, a thing in Colorado Springs at the very last weekend of uh, of July. So they've just screwed. I mean, they need to just honestly, whoever came away with, with, with that type of setup, take it, throw it in the trash, burn it, start over, and talk to people who know what the hell is going on. Well, how does, how does that, that, that whole situation that you just laid out, how does that clean up the recruiting game? It does. It doesn't they, they do thought a they damn were thing. Power, yeah, they thought they were putting more power in the high schools, which maybe they are a little bit, but these kids are still around their AAU teams in, in, in off weekends. They're, it's not always just the AU coach that has the power. It's the mentor, the guardian. Like, if you want to get close to a kid, you can find a way. You can be working out with them. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, they just, that, that whole committee, that whole commission. Uh, I'm looking at the names right now. Is it Grant Hill, Condoleezza Rice? No, it's even better. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the quick run. Mary Sue Coleman, president of Association of American Universities. General Martin E. Dempsey, chairman of USA Basketball. Mark Emmert, yeah, you got to have him on. Oh, yeah, of course. sure. Uh, Jeff Hathaway, who was fired at Hofstra and UConn as the AD. Grant Hill, love him to death, but, man, I don't think he's got any – I mean, he's he's a owner. By the way, I still don't get that, Grant Hill. You're an owner, and you're also a Turner analyst. Like, isn't that a little bit of a conflict of an interest? <laughs> and you went to Duke, who is, uh, you know uh... – I, I get so Mike, frustrated. Mike Montgomery. Mike yeah. Montgomery, former coach at Stanford and Cal. You think he knows what dirty stuff was? He never dealt with dirty recruiting. He doesn't know what the hell's. David Robinson. He played at Navy. His kid's at <laughs> Duke. Catherine Rumler, former White House counsel. Yeah, great. Gene Smith, Ohio State AD. Yeah, you had some stuff going on with Urban Meyer lately. Uh, JT3. JT3 and Jeremy Foley are like the two guys on this list that I was like, all right, if I was going to have a list, I might keep those two. Jeremy Foley, brilliant AD who hired Billy Donovan. I think he actually knows a lot of the shit that's going on. And, and JT3, you know, he, he, he went in, he was involved in a lot of that stuff too in terms of going up against some, some uh, you know, some tough recruitments, Greg Monroe and, and plenty of guys. So, like, those are two I might have as far as potential – um, candidates for my commission, but I, I came up with a way better commission. Trust me, <laughs> is, way better. Is is JT three going to get back into the coaching? Is somebody going to give him an opportunity? Yeah, I thought he'd be in the mix at like GW, mm -hmm. something like that. I, who wanted him? I think William and Mary wanted him, but I, I think he felt like you know what that, that that probably wasn't worth getting back in. So yeah, I, I think he will get back in. JT three is a really good guy, good coach. Just again, as I wrote a couple of years ago, I just felt like at the end it, it was just it, it just went downhill at Georgetown. Like he, he, he honestly, I felt like it was the right move. I, we'll see if Patrick Ewing can really get it done here. Like this is a big year for Patrick Ewing, mm -hmm. big year. Yeah, I, I I understand the intrigue from JT three to go there, but yeah. I mean, how do you ever live up to to yeah. what your dad? You can't do it, and I mean, no, you can't. It's I, I'm glad that he had success. You know, he went to the Final Four, but I mean, it's it's it was you're, you're going to fail eventually just because of the expectations. That's right. Yep, no doubt. All right, man. I uh, I think that's all you got. I, again, I appreciate you taking the time. And no, <laughs> great to do it. Great I, to do it. I'm glad we we we, we did it. And uh, anytime, you know that. Anytime you need anything, just uh, text me. Is the better way. Okay. 
So that was my conversation with Jeff Goodman to kick off ACC Basketball Report for, I guess we'll call it the 2019 offseason. Again, very thankful for Jeff taking the time to join me. Um, I tried not to be too much of a fanboy during during that conversation and uh you know just hold my own in a conversation with one of the most knowledgeable guys uh, of college basketball you know in the industry so again uh, tremendous thanks to him and i can't wait to post this interview uh later this week again blake lavelle i'll get that up probably friday saturday we talked obviously sec hoops he is a blue ribbon uh contributor for uh, you know preseason previews i believe he's going to write for athlon this year as well so Blake's a really knowledgeable guy. We had a really good conversation. He has the best beard in the business and uh, just really one of the most genuine guys that I've had the opportunity to talk to uh, since I started ACC Basketball Report. Don't forget to uh, like, rate, review, share, subscribe. Uh, five stars. Leave a nice comment. Leave some you know constructive criticism, things you like, things you don't like. You know, If it's the sound of my voice, then there isn't much I can do for you. But, uh, you know, it's good to be back. It was nice to take some time off. I was a little burnt out, so... Cool. I'll see you guys around the way. Later.